0: hello and welcome to dockside the podcast that helps you save and enjoy the waters you love by sharing clean and safe boating practices i'm your host diana fu In today's episode, the Clean Vessel Act teams of Southern California and Northern California, mainly funded by the California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways, come together to bring you information about marine sanitation devices, one of the most critical pieces of equipment necessary for clean boating. For those of you unfamiliar, the Bay Foundation and the San Francisco Estuary Partnership, which are both national estuary programs designated by the U.S. EPA, have partnered with the California Division of Boating and Waterways for over 15 years with a joint mission to protect, enhance, and restore the waters in our region. Welcome to the show, Liz Huvera and Andrea Carassi. Please share with our listeners who you are and what you do for the Clean Vessel Act program in the state of California. Thanks, Diana. Um, I'm
1: Liz Huvera. I'm one of the project coordinators for the Clean Vessel Act team here at the San Francisco Estuary Partnership, alongside our fantastic dockside host, Diana Fu. Our team works to collaborate with local partners, including marinas and boaters that have heads on board their vessels. Uh, So we provide technical assistance to make sure recreational boaters in Northern California have all the tools and resources that they need to prevent sewage pollution and become better stewards of our waters.
2: And my name is Andrea Carasi. I'm a community engagement coordinator for the Clean Vessel Act Education and Outreach Program based in Southern California at the Bay Foundation. Um, The Bay Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to the restoration of Santa Monica Bay through actions and partnerships that improve water quality, conserve and rehabilitate natural resources, and protect the Bay's benefits and values. Um, We work to promote the use of boat-to-boat mobile pump-out services, we co-facilitate the development and coordination of our volunteer Doc Walker Partners program. Um, we produce po- pollution prevention educational resources, and we also conduct public engagement about proper sewage disposal. So uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and thank you both for having me.
0: Thanks for being here, Andrea, and thanks, Liz, for that wonderful introduction. Um, let's just hop right into it. Um, I I mentioned in our intro today that we'll be talking about marine sanitation devices, which is kind of a mouthful. Um, And I I believe not a lot of people know what they are. So why don't we just start there? So first of all, what is a marine sanitation device?
2: Yes, great question. Uh, So a marine sanitation device or an MSD and this is according to the United States Environmental Protection Agency and the US Coast Guard who jointly regulate MSDs, is considered any equipment for installation on board a vessel, which is designated to receive, retain, treat, or discharge sewage. So basically it's a treatment system for onboard heads. If a boat has one, it's important that it's properly maintained to function correctly.
0: So it sounds like these devices do a lot for boaters. Um, And I'm wondering if uh, there's different types of MSDs or marine sanitation devices. Um, How many different types of MSDs are there and and how are they different?
2: Yeah, so this is a a less known fact. And um, the Coast Guard has three basic categories of MSDs. So there's a type 1, a type 2, and a type 3. And it can be a little bit confusing to sort them out. So um, I can try my best to share what each one of them does. Um, Type one and type two are flow through devices uh, that treat sewage through some means, whether it's physical, chemical, or biological treatment and then disinfection. Um, Both of these types have legal limits for allowable solids and fecal coliform counts. Even though the sewage is treated through the systems, Um, remember the F1 isn't sterilized. So that means it still contains bacteria as well as other chemicals like disinfectants and deodorizers. Um, And then type three is a little bit more straightforward. It's typically a holding tank where sewage is stored before it can be discharged. And uh, it's usually discharged through a pump out. So these units must be designed to prevent overboard discharge of treated or untreated sewage. And this type of device is typically a holding tank uh, and it may include other types of technology like incineration, recirculation and composting. Um, So to provide an example, uh, a marine composting toilet is considered a type three marine sanitation device. These toilets act as a place where sewage is stored before it's discharged. And the toilets are entirely self-contained. They're waterless and they're structurally designed to separate your liquids from your solids. So um, this type of toilet works with a urine diversion system and a handle operated trap door for solids. Um, So solids will sit in a removable lower chamber and they're mixed with peat moss or sawdust or coconut husk fibers, depending on uh, what you can put in that chamber. And then your liquids sit in a separate removable chamber as well. Um, You can easily dispose of those liquids in a dump station or a public toilet. um, And then the solids can be disposed of in a trash can. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of different makes and models of marine sanitation devices. But one important component is that there are, there's a three-way diverter valve. Um, It's called a, it's also called a Y-valve. So that Y-valve, that, excuse me, that Y valve will direct toilet waste either to the holding tank or directly overboard if you're beyond the three mile limit. Um, and you can use a zip tie or a lock on some Y valves to secure them into place and secure them closed. Um, and some have removable handles. So that's also helpful to secure them into place. And we've, we've, we found that there's a lot of confusion about Y valves as well. Um, there's a lot of different makes of these. So it's good to get to know your own system and understand which direction points to the holding tank.
0: Yeah, thanks for all of that information, Andrea. Um, it seems like there's a lot to learn about MSDs and for you voters listening out there, it is always, always, always a good idea to become acquainted with your MSD and your Y-valve. If you have one, um, be sure to secure those Y-valves. Um, what are some common misconceptions that boaters have about MSDs, if they already know about them? Um, Liz, I'm wondering if I, I could get you to answer that one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Diana. Uh, we do get a lot of questions about MSDs and boat sewage in general, as you might expect. Um, one common idea that we hear is that if you treat your boat sewage, you can discharge that anywhere. And that just simply isn't true. There's no treated sewage discharging allowed in freshwater lakes and impoundments, as well as reservoirs, marinas, uh, yacht harbors, and no discharge zones. So again, we do recommend securing your Y-valve on your vessel at all times to prevent accidental sewage overboard discharge. Um, And like Andrea said, to confirm that your Y-valve is properly closed, It's really a good idea to go ahead and drop um, a dye tracer tab into the head and flush and you will quickly see overboard if your Y valve is open, because there will be dye in the water everywhere. (laughs) Uh, And I can't tell you how many times I have talked to harbor masters or boaters. Um, themselves who have had boaters, uh, sorry, marina managers who've had boaters that pull up for a pump out at a sewage pump out, uh, only to find that there's nothing left in their holding tank, which means that it's likely that their wife has been stuck open, and they've been discharging overboard everywhere that they've voted. And it, it's very likely that it's been illegally in most of the places they've sailed through. So really, really critical to make sure that voters know their equipment, know how to secure their Y-valve, keep things secure. Um, another misconception that we do hear about is that treated sewage won't harm the waters. And so MSDs often use chemicals such as formaldehyde or chlorine compounds to treat the contents. Uh, for example, it only takes one-tenth of a part per million of chlorine to hurt or kill aquatic organisms. And these chemicals that come along with the use of these MSDs, along with the bacteria and viruses and parasites that come from human waste can really harm marine life, including fish and shellfish that we are interested in eating. (laughs) So they can definitely harm swimmers and other folks that recreate in and on the water. And we want to avoid using that.
0: Yeah, thanks for that reminder, Liz, because I, I do feel like a lot of people who you know might treat or clean their MSDs with certain chemicals think that it automatically means it's okay to dump whatever sewage they have on their boat um, overboard. And as you were just mentioning, it's definitely not. I mean, it only takes a very, very, very tiny um, percentage of chlorine in the water to, to hurt or kill um, aquatic organisms. So that's important to remember. Um, going off of that, I mean, if if we don't use chemicals uh, to sanitize or deodorize them, you know what 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 can we use? Um, and and uh, I, I'm just like trying to think of other ways that boaters can address, you know, smell and kind of like sanitation concerns.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so boaters currently use a variety of methods to mask or eliminate odors completely from their head. Uh, But chemical treatments are super common, as we mentioned. And since those contain formaldehyde, chlorine, and other compounds that are toxic, um, it's really good to start using alternative methods. And so some options include enzyme and bioactive treatments that are great because they have super low toxicity, um, but it is critical to understand how to use those. So for instance, they cannot be used in tandem with other treatment products that may include Those other chemical treatments, because those are just going to nullify all the good that you're doing.
0: Gotcha. Thanks, Liz. And we're going to take a quick break here to uh, go to our partners over at DBW.
3: Did you know that a single toilet flush of untreated sewage from your boat can cause the same environmental impact as 10,000 flushes from your home toilet? This is because waste from our home is processed by a sewage treatment facility. The waste from your boat is not. Please do not dump boat sewage in our waters even if it's treated through a marine sanitation device. Sewage spreads diseases, harms aquatic life, impact nutrient levels in the water and impact our recreational activities and economy. Sewage discharges are preventable and the California State Park Division of Boating and Waterways has a free resource for you. We know you as a boater and water enthusiast care about water quality and pollution prevention. Download the free Pump Out Nav app from your Android or iOS device to identify the nearest sewage pump out, dump station, and floating restrooms. Save the waters you love.
0: And we're back um, with uh, today's Dockside episode about marine sanitation devices, or MSDs. Um, So we talked a little bit during the first half of our show just about what Exactly, is a marine sanitation device, or MSD. I'm going to say MSDs from now on because marine sanitation device is a mouthful. We talked about the different types of MSDs and kind of common misconceptions that boaters have about MSDs, as well as how to clean and treat them in a in a way that's responsible to the environment. Um, I want to move now more towards you know just kind of like rules and regulations, you know, about discharging your sewage um, for boaters that may not know if it's okay or not okay to discharge your sewage. So um, if a boat treats its sewage, can it legally discharge its sewage in the water? Someone wanna take that question?
2: Yeah, Diana, I can take that question. Um, So just to kind of start off describing the information that we know, so we did a survey a while back of boaters and um, about how they dispose of their sewage and the majority of boaters with heads on board use pump-outs or mobile companies, but it was surprising how many boaters, about 12%, said that they illegally discharge overboard, um, which is unhealthy for people and marine life and uh, really, you know, just plain gross. I don't think anybody enjoys knowing that they're docked in a marina within three miles um, that has, you know, where people are dumping their sewage illegally. so water quality and the impacts of pollution ranked highly for all the other voter groups we surveyed and there were a lot of voters that were frustrated by the irresponsible behavior of other voters. Um, the discharge of treated boat sewage is tricky which is why we recommend always pumping out at a mobile or dockside facility and generally boaters can discharge three miles offshore but not in a not no discharge zone. So sewage from type one or two um, marine sanitation devices. Again, those are macerating kinds of marine sanitation devices. So you have to meet fecal coliform limits before you can discharge your sewage from them having been treated from type one or type two MSDs. Um, and then the Y valve or a diverter valve, it has to be secured in a closed position when you're navigating inland waters, like, like Tahoe, or, you know, when you're less than three miles offshore to prevent accidental spills. And again, we recommend making it a habit to keep zip ties or a lock or just removing the handle if it can be removed. And um, yeah, no discharge zones are exactly what they sound like. Um, These areas are areas where untreated and treated sewage can't be discharged. California has a total of 11 no discharge zones. Um, In I know that in Northern California, there's two of them. Like I said, beautiful Lake Tahoe is one of them and Richardson Bay on the coast is another. Uh, And Southern California has more, um, from the Channel Islands Harbor in Ventura County to San Diego Bay. Um, And boaters can find them through a quick search online, and they should know that before um, they go and and they use their marine sanitation devices and um, potentially discharge outside of three miles or um, whatever they plan on doing with, with their holding tanks.
0: Yeah, thanks for that reminder about no discharge zones. Actually, in our previous episode um, with Steve Engborg from Rhode Island, he also mentioned that because Rhode Island is a primarily um, coastal state, um, I, I believe almost all of like their surrounding waters are no discharge zones. So, you know, good to know that no discharge zones um in California, uh, you know, like Lake Tahoe, Richardson Bay, Channel Islands Harbor, all of those places. Um are, are in fact no discharge zones because they're, you know, enjoyed by everyone in the state of California. Um, and I, yes, I encourage all you boaters out there to do just a quick search online before you head out on the water, if you're going out this weekend or anytime really, um, find out where that no discharge zone is uh, before you head out on the water. With that, um, I, I wanted just to ask, you know, since we're talking about what boaters can do, um, what do you want, listeners to remember from this episode? Yeah, it's a great question, Diana. Thanks.
1: Um, There are definitely a few key takeaways that we hope voters will keep in mind after this episode. Um, Starting with, you know, know your system, know the laws. It's really good to have a handle on what your boat looks like and how it operates so that you can do the best you can to avoid accidental spills. So next, keep your Y valve closed. We've said it, quite a few times during this this section, but we cannot stress enough how important it is to keep it locked to prevent accidental sewage discharge. also try to get away from using those harsh deodorizing chemicals. Um, As we said, there's a lot of enzymatic treatments out there with good track records, but definitely do not mix those with your regular chemical treatments. There's always the option of using a professional mobile pump out service that can take all the hassle out of doing it yourself. So these services, um, they sometimes charge a fee, but they are very convenient if you don't wanna directly handle the sewage yourself. And in addition, they can even inspect your system to make sure everything is working right. And you can also always make use of the resources available for good sewage management, which makes you a responsible voter and helps to keep our waterways clean and safe for everyone.
0: Thanks, Liz. Those are great tips and takeaways for this entire episode. I will be repeating those resources at the end of this episode too. Um, But first, I want to thank you all for joining us for this episode of Dockside. My guests today were my esteemed colleagues, Andrea Carassi and Liz Huvera, who represent the Clean Vessel Act teams of Southern and Northern California. To learn more about what we do, visit the Division of Boating and Waterways website at dbw.ca.gov sewage. That's dbw.ca.gov sewage. My name's Diana Fu, the host of Dockside, and we'll talk to you later. This podcast was brought to you by California State Parks, the California Coastal Commission, and the San Francisco Estuary Partnership. It is partially funded by the Division of Boating and Waterways Clean Vessel Act Education Program and the Federal Clean Vessel Grant Act Program.